going to ask you for those who can, just stand with me one more time.
it might be one of those moments. Jesus, Jesus, oh how 
We won't be here until midnight. <laughs> but it's, it's neat, right? It's, it's neat that singing is one of the aspects of worship that has a dual perspective. We, we have the opportunity to praise God, and so we're, 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 we're singing out to God in our adoration and in our praise. But the secondary benefit is that we have some preaching taking place. Uh, you're actually the ones, I'm actually the ones, together where we're preaching a word of encouragement to the person that's ahead of us or next to us and in the back of us. So really, we, we have been preaching all along. It's, it's just, you know, it's this type of preaching that's engaging. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to tie this in somehow, but <laughs> we'll see how it goes. This world is not my own. This world is not my own. Do you believe that this world is not your own? Yes. Could, you, could you sing it like if you believe this world is not your own? Yeah? Yeah? <clears throat> All right, just follow me, right? I'm going to keep it tempo just a little bit different. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are Singing. 
If, if praise is not something that we get accustomed to here on earth, then heaven is going to be a huge problem because all they'll be doing in, in heaven is worship and praising God. So we got to learn how to do it here first and become accustomed to doing it here first and be joyous in doing it here because up there, it's a whole lot of that. So, so I, I just believe that worship, I just believe that the praise is absolutely essential to our walk and our faith with Almighty God. I want to I ask you to just open up in your Bibles. I'll do this really quickly. I'll just show you really quickly. I want to ask you to open up your Bible to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. If you notice, my voice is almost gone, so that's good. Uh, Mark, chapter 5. And our scripture reading was actually taken from verses 24 all the way through to verses number 34. And in Mark, chapter 5, verses 24 through 34, we have this account that really, when you, you, you take stock of Matthew, Luke, and Mark, all three of these synoptic gospels have this particular account that's found, that's found in it. Not that we are allowed to, to take away from anything that is stated already in scripture, but I just want you to just imagine with me really quickly, if you were to remove this account of this woman and the issue of blood from scripture, it doesn't necessarily take anything away from the basis of the gospel. If you were to remove this account, if you never came across this, this woman, and this is not necessarily the woman here, but I thought that the picture was really engaging, but if you never read, if you never encountered this text with this woman, with this issue, who, who had this problem, if you never encountered this text in your life, if somebody never read this for you, if somebody never pointed you to this text, I'm saying that your faith or your belief system would not necessarily be in jeopardy. But there are things that we find in scripture that for those of us who want and, and, and are striving to develop a more intimate relationship with God, there are, there are details and there are instances like this that help to push us in a more intimate way, that help to instruct us, that, that, that give us a sense of belonging and belief. It gives us a connection to the text. As we look at this particular scenario or situation, here is a woman and the scripture is clear, her details are there. And I said I want to be quick, her details are there. As we look at her details, number one, we recognize that she has been among the Jewish community with an issue for 12 years. Because I want us to appreciate that her issue became a community issue. She had an issue of blood. She, whatever that would be, maybe it was a perpetual menstrual cycle. Maybe she had some hemorrhage. The point is, she had blood that was coming out from somewhere at any given point in the day for 12 years straight. And while you might recognize that this is a problem for her, I want you to appreciate this about the Jewish community. A problem or an issue for one person is a problem or an issue for everyone. What do you mean, preacher? Well, because of the nature of her issue, her having this issue of blood, whatever the nature of that would be, it meant that she would have been deemed unclean for an extended 12-year period of time. Being deemed unclean, she didn't have the opportunity or, or, or have the privilege to connect with the members of her community. Being unclean, she would have to relegate herself, to separate herself even from her very own household. Because as a Jew, if you were unclean, you ran the risk of making other individuals who were clean 
believe. So the first thing I want us to appreciate is that from this textual perspective, as we desire to get a more intimate relationship with God or understanding of scripture, we need to appreciate that sometimes your issue is not just a personal thing, but your issue, your struggles, your, your problems is a community thing. But you have to be a part of a community in order for you to see it that way. So number one, we see her dilemma. Her dilemma is, while she may have had an issue for herself, a, a health issue, this also matriculated over into her community because now, because of her health issue, she is now separated from the community. Now because of her health issue, she is now segregated. You guys with me? From her community. So I want us to appreciate her issue is a community issue. That should tell you and me something. I'm not trying to spiritualize this stuff. I'm trying to help us to see that there is a depth of this. There is more than just us knowing where the scripture is. But the reason why this is placed here, I believe, by inspiration of the Spirit, is that you and I can connect in a very personal way with what happens in life as we try to engage a healing God. Your issue may be your issue to struggle with. But when you are connected to a community, it's not just your struggle, it becomes now a community struggle. But if you're not connected to the community, you feel comfortable in isolation. But God didn't call the church to be a people of isolation, He called the church to be a people who are connected. So if for some reason you, you can't connect, if for some reason you are not around, if for some reason you, 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 have, you don't have the ability to meet or, 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 or to be there in the presence of people, it's supposed to bother you. Why is that? Because I'm supposed to be connected to these people. So number one, here's what I want to say. I want to see the details of this text. We, we find this woman and she has been struggling with this issue for 12 years. Not only has she been struggling with this issue for 12 years, but I want us to understand she did everything that was humanly possible to make her situation right. So she said that she went to all sorts of doctors. Have you known somebody, maybe I'm describing you right now, but have you known somebody when they're going through a health issue? If one doctor that was recommended couldn't do it, they go for a second doctor. And if that second doctor can't do it, they go to a third doctor. And they try to find every single person possible to help them with their issue. And so this woman, she went from one doctor to the next, to the next, to the next. When, when, when modern medicine doesn't cut it for you anymore, what do you do? You go the traditional route. So when surgeries can't cut it, when medications that can't cut it, you start to take the unconventional route. So now, uh, the, the whole yoga scene is big, not from an exercise perspective, because we see this as a way and a means of calming self. So you, you, you are done things like yoga and meditation because now you are trying alternative routes to a physical ailment or pain or problem that you are experiencing in your body. What are you doing? I'm trying to find every way and means necessary to take care or to deal with my issue. You will do anything and you will do everything to help take care of your problems. So not only did she have an issue, the scripture says that she went to every single doctor. They took all her money. You know how things go, right? Uh, unless you have a family member or a very close friend who considers you as blood, 
I'm telling you, if you have to go to the doctor's office, even if they don't prescribe anything for you, you have a bill coming. Before they even drill into your mouth, if you go to a dentist, just know and rest assured that coming in the mail is a bill for a doctor's visit. So if you some of you, some of you in, in, in medical food, so you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's costly to take care of these needs. But the scripture tells us that she lost everything, she gave everything up because what was important to her was her health. I can't help but think about, about Satan in this scenario with Job because in chapter number one of Job, after Satan takes God, uh, after Satan takes God, uh, Job's sheep and his oxen and his donkey and, uh, and all that kind of stuff, here comes chapter number two now, and he comes back in the presence of God, and God does this thing. If you read chapter one and chapter two clearly, God does this thing where he almost boasts on Job. Satan have you considered what he says about Job? The exact same thing. What God pinpointed to him in chapter one is the exact same thing God pinpointed in chapter two, and in chapter two he throws in, he still maintains his faith. In other words, you, you, you threw everything that you thought at him the first round, and he still stood. You, you took away his oxen, you took away his cattle, you took away his sheep, you even took away his kids. And rather than curse me to the face and die, what did Job do? He bowed himself to the ground, and he said, Naked came I into this world, naked I shall return. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. So God says in chapter number two, he still stands. But here comes Satan, as he says, skin for skin. A man will give up everything to save his very own life. In other words, when you are at a point of desperation, you will do anything that is possible to gain life or to gain entry out of the situation that you are in. Go back, for example, I'm going to actually, I'm going to be you, go back in your mind's eye to Genesis chapter number 25. Here we have two brothers, twins, out of the womb. You have Esau and Jacob. Esau was a man of the earth, he was a hunter, but Jacob dwelt more intense. That isn't to say that Jacob was soft. Don't, 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 don't go ahead thinking that, well, 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 Esau was the manly man and Jacob, eh, not so much. No, no, no. Being a dweller in a tent doesn't necessarily mean that he was a soft man, it means that he was a man of his mind. Esau, 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 you know, was, was a man of brute force and brute strength. He liked that kind of stuff, but, he, but, but Jacob liked to use his mind a little bit more. So in, in chapter 25, if you remember this account in chapter 25, there was one particular day in question where Esau was out in the field, he spent a lot, a lot of time out there, and he came back and was famished. He was so hungry that, that he didn't know what was really in the pot, but, but Jacob was, was, was cooking up a nice meal. And for those of us who have ever come home hungry, for those of us who have tasted the meal before you saw the meal, you understand what that type of hunger is. He, he smells the fumes coming out of the tent and he, he hurries to the tent. He says, give, give me some of that red stuff over there. But here is what Jacob says. Jacob says, okay, no problem. I can give him some of this. You can almost see Jacob still in the park. Just so that the fumes come out a little bit more. Oh, okay, no problem, Esau. No problem, first one. Uh, I'll give you some of this in exchange for your, for your birthright. 
Is that alright with you? Feel this morning. You know what those Esau response? He said, man, right now I need to die. This, this, this book right isn't going to do me anything good right now, so no problem. I'll, I'll take some of that, that red stuff to give up my book right. Later on, you would understand that he gave up for a momentary taste of relief. But I'm trying to help us to see that sometimes in our desperation, if we're not careful, we can give up that which is most valuable for that which is temporary. Fast forward now into Matthew chapter 5 with this woman. She's the flip side. Because after she has done everything in her desperation, she comes to the one person who she has heard some things about. She, she hadn't met Jesus yet, but she heard about this man who, who cleansed a leper. She, she heard about this man who cast out demons. She heard about this man who, who healed a paralytic. She, she heard about this man who took a man with a deformed hand and made that hand whole. I'm trying to tell you that before she even went to Jesus, she had concluded that he had power enough to take care to deal with her situation. So when Jesus looks at her at the end of the scenario, he says, woman, your faith had made you whole. I want us to put a little pin in that because recognize this, that her belief in Jesus didn't necessarily heal her. It was her belief that led to action that healed her. Follow me on this another. So number one, we see her details. Her details is clear that she finds herself in a desperate, in a desperate place in need of healing. And I love this about scripture because oftentimes when you look at scripture, especially the gospels, these very real physical ailments, these sicknesses, these, these encounters were used to showcase a, a comparison between what sin also does to the soul. Don't have time to go through all of this. Needless to say, we can talk about blindness. We can talk about leprosy. We can talk about being paralyzed. We can talk about being deformed and how Jesus had the ability in his power to take care of all of those physical needs. But I want to see this. I want to see this. This woman had an issue of blood. Austin, you, 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 you deal with this stuff. I want you to start for a little bit. Austin, you, you, you know, right, that, that depending on how heavy the blood loss is, it has an effect on, on you. So if the blood loss is number, if the blood sorry, being lost is heavy and it's consistent, then the chances are you won't be at your full potential of strength. Is that fair enough to say? So you find yourself a, a, a perfectly healthy, healthy person. If they have enough blood loss, whether it's in a quick space of time or an extended period of time, you have enough blood loss, then all of a sudden you become dizzy. You have enough blood loss, all of a sudden you can't lift the heavy thing that you would have lifted if you were at full strength. You, you have this blood loss and, and you are under capacity. You are not at your optimum. Well, well, if that's the physical, what is the spiritual? The spiritual tells me that sin is like that dripping blood, that perpetual drip, that it, you, you are able to function with it for a period of time, but you are never really at your optimum capacity. You're able to live, she was able to live and endure this state for 12 years, but she did so not at her optimum capacity. We can live with sin for a long time, but we'll never find ourselves in a state of spiritual optimum capacity. You guys with me? 
So you are, look, you are looking at this woman in her you know, physical state, but it's a representation that Jesus uses. And, and Mark finds necessary, Spirit finds absolutely necessary to show us that in her physical state, this is a lesson for us in a spiritual sense. Sin adds nothing to you, but it takes everything. Sin is never productive, even though it might feel good in the moment, but it, the wages of sin, the scripture tells me, the end result is death. So there is nothing good about sin. It may feel good for a temporary period of time. You can see the devil there just turning the pot. Not trying to equate Jacob with the devil, but you, you get the picture. You, the devil is there turning the pot. And as you find yourself in your desire, he turns it a little bit so you get the aroma. And you take off. We give up our spiritual birthright. For momentary cause of relief. So we see her details. We see her desperation, but notice in all her determination and anger. She said within herself, having compiled all the evidence that she would have heard, she, she's never met Jesus before. Do you remember the first time you encountered Jesus? I don't know about you, but I've only read about Jesus from the annals of a page on a book. I can't say with absolute certainty that I've witnessed the man face to face, at least not yet. I, I may not have matured maybe to that level or the level of some people, but I have not witnessed the man. I, I haven't looked into his eyes to say if it was brown, if it was gray, if it was green. I, I've never looked upon the face of the man to know that his hair was matted or his hair was straight. I've never seen the man to know that he was white, pink, green, black, or blue. I've never witnessed the man. But there's something with, within the confines of scripture as I read scripture, as I go into history, as I have all this evidence, I put my faith on the foundation that Jesus Christ is real. So she has never witnessed the man before, but she goes on the evidence she has heard that this man has power to take care of my situation. So here's what I want to focus on. The scripture says she says within herself, if I could just but touch the hem of his garment. She doesn't say, maybe I'll be healed. I want you to see this church. She doesn't say, well, if I can't just touch it, maybe I can get something. No, 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 no. She, she says, listen, the evidence is all there and it's proof positive that all I need to do is to get in touch with this man. All I need to do is, is to just get there. I don't have to hold on to him all the way. But if I could just stretch a little bit. I want us to see this church. You, you know, you guys know by now I'm big on I'm big on I'm big on, on, on illustrations, I'm big on that kind of stuff. I want us to see this. Look at her position, her position and her posture. You guys mind, let me just get two of them. Let me just get two of them. As a matter of fact, make it for you. Go, go, message, go, 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 go. You guys are keeping me. As a matter of fact, let me get two more. I would have called you, but you better stay than I have. I want you to be Jesus. I want you guys to see this. Everybody see him? He's Jesus. By this point in, in Jesus' ministry, there are a number of people that is around. And people are pushing on him. They're, they're, they're crashing into him. There. There's a large crowd around, just around him. Yeah, just here. Yeah. All right, that, that's good. Yeah, guys, hold on. 
There's a large crowd there. But remember her issue. Her issue is that I have been unclean because of my situation for 12 years. My, my situation hasn't changed. So she understands, if I were to touch somebody in this crowd right now, I have to declare myself unclean because that's what you did if you were a leper and you were walking through the streets. You called out if you didn't have somebody in front of you calling out, unclean, unclean, unclean. And people knew when a leper or somebody who had an issue was passing through. So what did they would do? They would get out of the way. So she knows the only way she could get to Jesus is through a crowd. She knows that the, the likelihood of her touching somebody is high. But she, she needs to get to Jesus, and so she, she puts aside her shame. She puts aside what they might do to her in the event that they find out why she is there. She puts aside her fear. She puts aside the crowd even, and I want us to understand and appreciate this church. I'm telling you, sometimes the biggest obstacle that we have is not our fear. The biggest obstacle that we have it's not our shame. Sometimes the biggest obstacle, obstacle people encounter will be fellow religious folk. Sometimes the biggest blockage of people getting to Jesus is people who are around Jesus claiming to be followers. But you will notice in the text, when Jesus asks the question, who touched me? Peter looks at Jesus and says, what are you talking about? Look at all these people around me. What do you mean who touched me? There's a difference between being in the vicinity of Jesus and actually touching Jesus. There's a difference between being apart or, 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 or being present as opposed to being apart. You guys with me? There's a difference to just being here and showing up and actually worshiping. You could be here on Sunday morning, but it doesn't mean that you're worshiping. You could be here on Sunday morning, but it doesn't mean that you have come to pray. God. You could be here, but you could be lost. That's another story for another time. But the point is this. She says, listen, I'm going to put aside all of this and I'm going to get to Jesus. The scripture says she has to get down. She has to get down. Down here. Because she wants to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus. So she has to sneak up on her knees somehow. She has to crawl. I don't know if you get any imagery. But she has to crawl and she has to, to stretch her way in order to reach and to touch the hem of Jesus. Why is that image so vital? Why is that image so vital? Why is that image so important? Because I want to understand. She has to humble herself. Even though she believed wholeheartedly that Jesus could take care of the need, she had to humble Herself. This was not a position for somebody of stature. This was not a position for somebody who thought themselves to be higher than others. This was a position of a servant. Once you're talking, the ankles go down. That's a servant disposition. Once you're talking about the legs go down, that's a slave position. What are you saying, preacher? She had to willingly put herself in a position of humility. Before you could get your healing, you might try to humble yourself. Before your situation to get taken care of, you might try submitting yourself. Stop trying to do things your own way. Stop trying to think that your way is the right way. If you want healing, and I'm not talking about just the physical stuff now. I've already passed, and I'm talking about spiritual healing. If you want spiritual healing, healing that counts, healing that matters. If you want to take care of your sin, you need to humble yourself and go to Jesus. I 
know those church folk sometimes can say some mean thing, but you need to push past the church folk. I know they sometimes give you some looks because of the nature of your sin and the nature of your issues, but you need to push past that fear. You need to push past those doubts. You need to push past all of that because you're not there to be crowned. That's right. I didn't come to this house for the crown. I came to this house for Jesus. So we need to stop allowing all these people and detractors, whoever they are, stop that from keeping us from Jesus. Watch this. So that's the details. That's the determination. But her feeling didn't come until she followed through on her belief. Promises. Number three, here's what I want to see. Look at her deliverance. And I'm the The scripture could have stopped at one word. What it describes the deliverance. Immediately. Immediately. She was delivered. Yes. I will <laughs> Immediately she was delivered. <laughs> Immediately there could be deceptive. But at the same time, immediately there is quite conclusive of her entire situation. Because no sooner did she touch Jesus' garment than her issue got taken care of. But if she had stopped short of reaching out, she would have left that house and left that crowd the same way she entered it. Belief in Jesus is not enough to have your sins washed away. Yes. You, you, you guys need to help me on this. If you just believe in Jesus, that's good. That's a good place to start. But if that belief doesn't push you to do that which is needful, then you will still find yourself in a state of being saved. Yes. Watch this. Give me James chapter number one. James chapter number one. I promise you I'm going to bring something in. James chapter number one. Uh-huh. Consider it pure joy. Is it on? Is it on? Is that on? Come on. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives generously to all. I'm, I'm translating from the King James Version, right? He's responding, I'm just translating King James language. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who give it to all men liberal. That's right. And I'll bring it in a, Come on, read. Without finding fault. Mm -hmm. And it will be given to him. And it will be given to him. Check this. Go on, go on. But when he asks. But let him ask. He must believe. And faith. not doubt. Not doubt it. Because he who doubts, because he who doubts, is like a wave of the sea, like a wave of the sea, 
blown and tossed by the wind. Blown and tossed by every wind. Come on, read, read, read. That man should mm -hmm. not think he will receive anything from the Lord. Not, not that man think. He is a double-minded man. That he shall receive anything. I'm done. Unstable in all he does. A double-minded man, King James City, is shaky in all his ways. Deliverance comes immediately. But in order for the deliverance to happen immediately, our belief must be translated and manifested into action. That's right. Here it is. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. The same gospel account of the book of Mark ends this way in Jesus making these statements. Because Mark is painting a picture as he goes through his gospel account. In Mark 16, verse 15 and 16, if it was lost in translation, Mark 16, verse 16, 15 and 16, Mark takes the opportunity to record and to pen these very words of Jesus Christ. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You guys, do you know this verse? You know this verse? He that believes and come on and is baptized shall be saved, right? He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be condemned. I want you to see this and understand. Because we're talking about the details. You and I have details in our lives. We're, we're talking about our determination. We come up in our minds with what we need to do. But the deliverance only comes through acts and manifestations of our faith. So watch this. Her healing came at the point of touching Jesus, not before. It may have started with her belief. Her mind was right. But now that needed to follow with some action. Jesus says, What to all of the preachers was every creature? He who believes and is baptized shall be healed. Well, you just hear all this words. You can believe all you want. If you are not pushed to a place of action, your healing doesn't come. That's right. She could have believed in Jesus all she wanted, but if she didn't move in action, she would have not had her situation dealt with. You guys with me? I just need for you to let me know that you're hearing what I'm saying. So belief plus the action of Jesus Christ and his commandments is what leads us to salvation. You want to have your sins washed away? I'm not going to put you right now, but I'm going to put everybody. If you want to have your sins removed, if you want to have your spiritual issue dealt with, belief in Jesus is one thing that has to manifest itself into action. You guys, if, we, if you get this, we can leave. We'll be done. But we need to be people who are desperate. When we come into these doors, we need to come desperate. Desperate for Jesus. Desperate for his will. Desperate for our prayer. Des we need to be people on a daily basis who are desperate, who are hungry, because only those who are hungry get filled. We need to be people who are desperate for God. I'm desperate enough. Have you lost that sense of hunger and agency and yearning for the things of God? Consider this lesson. A desperate woman 